You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Ian Seidenfeld just followed in his father's footsteps by winning a gold medal in para-table tennis at the Tokyo Paralympic Games. His father, Mitch, who is also Ian's coach, did the same at the 1992 Games. We sit down with Ian to get the spin on the sport. So, Ian, how did you get into table tennis? Uh, I got into table tennis. Uh, my dad is a table tennis player or was a table tennis player. He's currently a coach, and he runs the table tennis in Minnesota through the Minnesota Table Tennis Federation. Um, he was a former Paralympian gold medalist and world champion in para-table tennis. Um, so I started at a young age through my whole life, started around six, probably uh, even before I was, my head was above the table. So, uh, and then uh, progressively kept playing and got a little taller, not too much though, but, uh, uh, and still, yeah. And so you've been around the sport since uh, as early as you can remember, right? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, obviously, if your dad played, um, you know, is it, is it something you wanted to do because your dad did, or you know, how did you develop your own love for the sport? I think at the start, yeah, I wanted to kind of hang out with my dad on Saturdays, go with him to work, and uh, have fun. There were always junior training kind of camps in the mornings uh, on Saturdays. So that's where I would kind of make some friends and, and play with other kids uh, in table tennis. Uh, and through that, I made some really great relationships with other friends uh, that I'm still hanging out with, even while we're in colleges in different states and everything. Once we all come back to Minnesota, uh, or they come back to Minnesota. I'm always in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> and we hang out and stuff. Uh, so the friendships that you make in table tennis bra- keep you coming. And, and uh, as well as I'm a very competitive person, so I always like to compete in something. And table tennis allowed me to do that at a pretty high level. And um, and and so when when was it or what? how old were you when you decided or, or realized that I do want to be, I want to pursue this at a competitive level? Um, I think when I was 11, I went to San Diego for a para table tennis tournament, my first ever international para table tennis tournament. Well, it's in the U S but, uh, first everyone from different countries could play. So that was my first kind of opening to para table tennis and playing on that level. And, and, uh, so you got to see a lot of high level people with disabilities playing and, and I see my dad playing those tournaments. I I lost all my matches, of course. Um, uh, there's even a time where my dad tells me that I, in order to make me feel good at that, towards the end of the tournament, he asked one of the, uh, I think, Czech Republic players if he would give me a game, kind of just to make me feel good. And I didn't know at the time, but I won a game and, and I was very happy, but uh, it was a bit... Uh, constructed it was a constructed win um sure but it was a confidence booster right yeah so i guess maybe that helped bring keep me coming that one game in that one tournament when i was uh 11 kept me coming back uh and then i kept playing and and 
I stayed with it playing in different international tournaments in Romania and, and Germany and Spain. And, uh, I kept getting better over the years. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know where the story goes, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so besides the one game that, that the yeah. <laughs> Czech Republic athlete gave you, when did you realize, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, I, I, I did win a few more games after that, a few more matches. And uh, uh, it was probably in 2017 when I had kind of a bigger breakout tournament. Uh, at the time, I was ranked in the maybe 30s or 40s, which is pretty low for uh, para table tennis in my class, class six um, men's singles. Uh, and in that tournament, I was able to beat kind of four or five top 10, top 20 players. Uh, one of which was the uh, Paralympic gold medalist mm. at the time f from Rio. Um, and so I think there I moved my ranking up to 11th or 12th, uh, which is a, a massive change because you can't really move very much um, mm -hmm. in the rating system that we have. Uh, and so that kind of gave me uh, a boost into knowing that I can play at a high level and gives me an opportunity to play at the bigger tournaments and get invitations to the bigger tournaments. Um, so that kind of propelled me to playing at a higher level. And uh, besides obviously providing an, an opportunity to be competitive and the, uh, the, the camaraderie and the social kind of friendship element, what is it about table tennis specifically that, uh, that gets you excited about the sport? What gets me excited is is kind of it's it's very different from a lot of sports because it's not just physical um, or it's not kind of big muscle physical like uh, you don't have to run super far or or jump super high. Uh, a lot of it is actually in the hands, so uh, they it's kind of your skill level can be judged in some ways by how well you use your hands, your your wrist, your fingers to move the ball and to do put different spins on the ball. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very technical sport and can be a very mental sport at the same time. And, uh, that's a very fun aspect cause it's always about learning and, uh, and improving in that way. And it's a, uh, it's a fun game kind of to try and figure out. So definitely a lot about strategy. Exactly. Like you said, <laughs> and, um, so for, you know, again, one of the things that we always try to do is introduce people to sports. So maybe for, uh, for those that are listening or, or uh, reading the, the article in the magazine, just kind of walk me through the, the sport. You know, I mean, obviously, um, the type of equipment that you have, that you have is there's not a lot of equipment, but talk, talk us through the, the different kind of components to the game. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure what I'll say is a little obvious, but, uh, there's the racket. Um, there's two kind of components to the racket. It, it's the wood blade, um, that you have, and then you have rubber that goes over the top, which is kind of the part that you would use to make spin. Um, and one side would be red and one side is black. Generally now they're starting to switch colors. Mm. Then there's a ball which is uh, made of uh, a certain type of plastic. And then you have your table. Uh, I can't exactly remember the exact... Uh, <laughs> Dimensions. Yeah, the <laughs> measurements. But it's uh, probably, I don't know. Anyway, 
there's the net as well. There's another, there's a net that go, comes across that six inches high. Um, so it's a sport. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I might be testing your, your knowledge of the sport a little bit. So you tell me that <laughs> I don't know is a perfect, it's a perfectly good answer, but why is it one side red and one side black? Uh, that's because, um, in the past there were different types of rubbers that could uh, play the same way or play a very different way, but look the same. So in a lot of cases you want, it's about deception. Mm. And so if you have two different types of rubber with the same color, it's much easier to deceive somebody about what you're doing. So uh, there's different long pips or anti was kind of the big one because it looks the same as a normal inverted rubber. Mm. So anti doesn't put any spin on the ball or doesn't change the the spin the same way as inverted rubber does, even with the same motion. So if it's looking the same, you can confuse people much easier. And it it probably, it wasn't as good for spectating, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. A lot of changes are made because uh, it doesn't help the entertainment aspect. And so... The, the red is the red side is a different rubber than the black side. And, and so obviously if, if you're hitting, you're showing your cards, right? You're showing which, yeah. which side you're hitting from, which is good for the spectators to also know that too, but also your competitor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you play with, do you focus on one side or the other, or do you change it up just for the, the, the diversity and the, and the variety? Yeah, generally um, there's still different types of rubbers. So, uh, on my on my paddle, personally, I have a forehand type of rubber and a backhand type of rubber. Okay. And I generally keep my forehand rubber red and backhand black. Um, a lot of people do it the other way, though. Um, and so it, it doesn't. You, I always think of it as there is a forehand side to the racket or not. You usually want to keep it the same all the time, just for uh, kind of consistency sake for yourself not to mess yourself up <laughs> <laughs> and so I, we, we went over and so getting into the sport and, and again we talked about the, the three kind of major components of the sport a ball a racket and a table right so so getting in the sport it's it's a low cost you know like i know some adaptive sports equipment is you know a cost um or a burden for some folks but at least this sport is a great way for anybody just to get out and try a sport right yeah, I think so. Um, as long as there's kind of a, there's always a table somewhere, right? There's always a table. Uh, could be in your basement, could be uh, at the YMCA or whatever, wherever a local club could be. Um, a racket doesn't have to be expensive, especially when you're starting. Um, there can be very good twenty dollar rackets, forty dollar rackets. Um, balls, uh, very cheap balls, can be bought by the dozen or by the gross uh, <laughs> or pretty, pretty cheap. Um, so, yeah, I think you could probably definitely get into the sport uh, very cheaply, but once you get to a higher level, it does get a little more expensive um, having to change your rubber uh, by um, a lot more. And also your racket gets more expensive. Just generally uh, you want to, get the best equipment, better shoes, maybe, um, better balls. Uh, so it can, the racket, the racket can cost up to about, uh, $250 if you want, um, really good stuff. 
that's probably around what mine costs and that's on the lower end of higher level players um total yeah and that's that's a good point i mean obviously you want to start equipment's great but yeah as you as you work your way up and and uh competitions and whatnot you'll definitely want to invest a little bit more starter Mm -hmm. equipment won't get you won't get you very far probably but it could take years before you really need to make those investments so people should uh note that i mean you can play one or two years with uh 20 40 rackets and still really get your bang for buck on those that's good to know um and and so we talked about the equipment. Let's talk about a, like a typical match. So um, first of all, how how is how is it determined who serves? And then like talk talk me through the the, the service and uh, and like and and how points are acquired and, and just that whole process. Yeah, I can kind of go through the most important ones, kind of for people to who are starting out to remember. Um, so basically, like you said, starting with service. Um, we decide, uh, basically by putting the ball in our hands, putting it below the table, and then the other person gets to decide which ball, which hand the ball is in. So they pick your left hand or right hand. You show them if, if the ball is in your, if they pick right, then they get to choose whether they want to serve or receive as well as if they want which side. Um, depending on the venue or whatever, or if they want to do some psychological trick. But then the other person would get to pick uh, the other option, whether they want to serve a receiver, pick the other side. Um, And generally with serving, you want to make sure you're throwing the ball up six inches. That's the main, main part of serving that I think a lot of people don't get. You want to throw it up six inches and hit it in the air. Yeah, you can't let it bounce on the table. You also want to be behind the back line or the white line of the table when you're serving. So you can't be leaning over or anything along the no no part of your body can basically be leaning, leaning over the white line. Um I don't I I don't think the ball can be but I don't think you'd want your body over the line okay. anyway. Um I'm sure people have had elbows kind of over the line or something like that. And I don't think it, okay. I don't think it matters. So it's mainly the ball. The ball can't be over the, over the yeah. line. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and uh, just a general rule, because the um, net is six inches tall, know that if you throw it higher than the net, as you start at the height of the table, then you know you've thrown it six inches. Talk about, you know, talk about point. Like once you... Uh, you know, finish the serve and it goes, you know, is, is volley the correct word in the, in table tennis as well? When, you know, or is there a different term in terms of how many times it goes back and forth? <laughs> uh, I think rally, 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 maybe probably more than. Okay. Yeah. Um, so points, uh, I'll get to the format of the games too, as well. So po- where games are played, uh, three out of five up to 11, switch every two points so you switch service every two points um and then once you get to deuce at 10 10 you have to switch every point switch serving every point until someone wins by two if points are literally back and forth every time is there a cutoff point 
no, no, we go until uh, someone wins. Uh, usually it doesn't go okay. super long. I, I, I mean, I've heard of 20, 20, 22 to 20 kind of is my highest uh, in okay. this era of serving. But uh, generally it, it ends on that first go around a lot of times, um, 12, 10. Okay. So no, no 40 to 39 or, <laughs> or 38. No. no, no, no 40 to 38 or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that, that would be very difficult, very improbable. Um, and then the way points are won is if someone, say, you're playing out the point and someone hits it into the net and it doesn't go over the other side, then it's um, the other person's point. If you hit it off the end of the table and it doesn't hit the other person's side, that's that person's point. Um, Some irregularities, say, uh, if the ball hits the net during the serve, if, say, someone's serving and it hits the net and still goes over, then it's a redo. But if it hits the net and doesn't go over to the other side, then uh, the server loses the point. Okay. That's good. <laughs> but during the game, if the person who's hitting it, if someone hits it and hits it at the net and then it goes over to the other side, that's still fine. So that the point still goes, even if it hits it, tumbles over and the other person has no chance at getting it. It's the person who hit it over. Gotcha. their point um yeah. but uh, if you can still hit it after the ball hits the net and um is it just one one bounce one bounce on the table um so you serving you would hit it into your side and then hit it onto their side the other person's side and then that person hits it over the net one bounce onto the table okay and then uh and then keep going with that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and so what, what do you do just individually or personally in terms of focusing on how, how do you focus on strategy? Um, focusing on strategy. I think the basic idea is uh, I think you can think of when you're serving, you have all, all the control. That's the only time really that you have total control over what's about to happen in the point. So that's supposed to give you uh, a better, better advantage. And so with that advantage, you want to take, uh, use it um, by kind of uh, coming up with service tactics, remembering kind of what will happen to different serves that you do, what you expect to come back to you, and then prepare for that uh, and definitely give, put it in the ball into the best place as you can uh, with the right amount of spin and, and as much accuracy um, and then relying on the training that you've, you've kind of had throughout the years to uh, win the rest of the point, either putting it to a spot that they're not going to or uh, putting it right at them. Um, there's different kind of basic strategies of playing into someone's elbow and then moving away from them or playing one, one kind of, I think that's a basic strategy. A lot of people know is that, well, if they're over, 
over on the right side, I'll hit it to the left. If they're on the left, I'll hit it to the right. Um, or you could find their weakness, uh, say it's their backhand, the backhand side. Um, then you hit a lot of balls to their backhand. <laughs> Keep doing it until some someone misses. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not like like it's not like tennis or other sports where you have to do you have to serve it to a certain area of the table or is the whole table um, basically good? Whole table is open in singles. Uh, in doubles, you have to serve from the right. Um, half to the cross court mm-hmm. the, um, I guess when you're looking at it it would be their left half but it would be also their in their mind their right half so cross court uh, in the two halves of the table so and so that's doubles that's good to know that the yeah. difference between singles and doubles and is that just the serve only um, or is it every or is it every time or is it every um, back and forth every rally that's, that's just doubles uh, um, just the serve. Okay. And, uh, after that you have to keep rotating between who hits the ball. So if I served the other person returns it, my partner has to hit that next ball. Oh, okay. And then the other person's partner has to hit that next ball. And then when that part, the other person's partner hits it then I hit the next ball. So you keep okay. on. And so the strategy there is trying to may confuse the other team into okay. not being in the right position. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, you play both, right? You play singles and doubles. Yeah. You you, do? A lot right. of times people, yeah. I mean, for team events, usually doubles is less prevalent than, uh, uh, um, tennis kind of, it's usually for, uh, in its own event, Mm-hmm. that people don't choose to play or or a team event where it's one match out of like five three or four matches that you're playing okay yeah. so let's talk about training like how do you what do you do on a regular basis just to kind of you know get you ready to compete at the at the highest level and at the at the elite level yeah i think my training is probably very unique uh among people and and even disabled people disabled athletes uh, i think if you're are you planning to if you're planning to talk to jensen van emberg he also mm-hmm. has a very good story and uh, uh he can tell you a lot more about wheelchair table tennis and and uh his training is much more rigorous than mine my training is uh specialized towards my type of uh disability of dwarfism pseudoachondroplasia mm-hmm. dwarfism which affects all four limbs and, and kind of uh, limits my ability to play longer periods of time. And uh, every day, I can't really play every day due to it, um, due to different orthopedic issues. Mm-hmm. So I probably play one and a half hours on average um, when I'm healthy. A lot of this past month, I haven't been. Uh, I've been having shoulder issues and hip issues and different uh, mm-hmm. parts of my body are a little uh, tweaked, I suppose. Um, so I do probably try to train two or three days a week, actually three days a week on the table. And then I try and during the spring and summer, I try and bike two to three days um, for about six miles uh, each each time. And um as well as doing different footwork training, uh, 
video training. Uh, and then I suggest a lot of people do start icing, um, stretching, uh, any kind of, uh, massage work that you can have, uh, using different, uh, ointments. Uh, right now I, uh, that will help with inflammation, but that's all key to staying, uh, proactive in recovery. And in the, in the biking is for cardio just to help with, with cardio. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything, anything that I've not asked you about the sport or anything you want to kind of share with, uh, share with our audience? Um, not really. I mean, table tennis is a very fun sport. I think, uh, everyone should at least try it, see if they like it. Um, and know that, uh, anything you should try anything, anything Mm -hmm. that you're interested in, you should try, um, but table tennis is a great way to get into sport and get active and uh, kind of build uh, your hand-eye coordination as well. So I promote it 100%.